Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me here uh, on the Hope and Anchor podcast. I know this is unusual. Um, this has certainly been a crazy week uh, with the coronavirus and everything that's uh, developing in the news and in the in the world and uh, here locally. Uh, this is certainly not something we've been through before, but I'm confident that uh, if we stick together and if we uh, trust in Jesus that... Um, good can come from it. So know this, I'm praying for you. Um, All the elder team and the leadership team at Hope and Anchor are praying for you and uh, praying for our community that we can uh, grow through this and that we can um, uh, see God bless people and uh, really see the church become beautiful uh, through this difficult uh, situation uh, in unexpected ways. So Uh, While this is a new experience, uh, I pray for each and every one of us that we would grow in our faith, that we would um, have peace, the peace of Christ, but we would also um, just become more um, um, uh, durable and have a deep uh, faith and perseverance that the church will truly shine. Now, on a more practical note, I would encourage you to check in with each other. Um, when you think about someone from our fellowship, a brother and sister in Christ, uh, send, them a, send them a note, uh, text them, call them, uh, maybe stop by their house and stand outside their window and throw pebbles and get their attention and uh, <laughs> speak a word of encouragement. But um, check in with me, send a message. I'd love to hear how you're doing and uh, how we can better serve each other during this time. So, uh, as I said, this is an unusual situation. We are um, uh, worshiping together through a podcast, which is not a familiar exercise, but uh, I'm not recording this in a studio or um, a controlled environment. It's at my house. It's at my desk. So, um, in the room with me right now is one big dog and uh, one cat that really wants to get out of here. So, uh, you may hear some other noises. I've got a bunch of kids running around. So, you know how that is. So if you hear some other extraneous noises, uh, just uh, bear with me. This is the third Sunday in Lent, uh, this third Sunday during the Lenten season. And uh, so we'll begin with our scripture reading and our prayer of confession. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek for you. My soul thirsts for you, my my whole body longs for you, in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Gracious God, whose mercy is higher than the heavens, 
wider than our wanderings and deeper than all our sin. Take back to yourself your bewildered and broken people. Forgive our folly and our excess, our coldness to human sorrow, our passion for things of the moment, and our indifference to the deeper treasures of the Spirit. Change our hearts and turn all our desires to your way, that we may love what you love and do what you command, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today we are continuing in our series called uh, Easter Mixtape. Um, I was trying to work in coronavirus into this series somehow, into the title. But uh, we are in the Lenten season, and so this is our second Sunday in um, looking at the Psalms in order to direct our hearts and our attention toward Christ Himself. So last week, uh, I believe we looked at Psalm 103, and today we're going to turn our attention to Psalm 107. So as you may know, um, the Psalms... Uh, are a pretty extraordinary book. They're, they're timeless, and it's filled with songs of praise, songs of lament, anguish, celebration, adoration, history, prophecy, and more. The Psalms have been a source of comfort and wisdom for God's people, get this, for over 3,000 years, for over 1,000 years before Jesus was even born. Think about your life. How have the Psalms been a blessing to you? Most people I talk to, if I ask them to make a top a list of their top three favorite books in the Bible. Most of them include the book, the book of Psalms. Would the Psalms be one of them for you? Does anyone listening to this have a strange dislike of the Psalms? For some reason, just really um, do not like the Psalms. If so, I'd like to hear from you. The main things and the the main themes we come across in the Psalms can be arranged uh, in three basic categories, according to Walter Brueggemann in his book called Spirituality of the Psalms. The three types of psalms, or the three themes or categories, are first, psalms of orientation, second, psalms of disorientation, and third, psalms of reorientation. So let's look first at psalms of orientation. The psalms of orientations are the songs we find uh, in the book of Psalms, songs of praise, adoration, and gratitude. Gratitude for God's faithfulness, His goodness, and His trustworthiness. According to Stephen Barclay, he says, uh, These are the psalms that we are most comfortable with. These are the psalms of gratitude for God's ordering of life. These psalms reflect life the way it is expected to be, full of blessing for the saints. These are the psalms where the Torah is celebrated and the God of creation is praised. A good example of a psalm of orientation would be Psalm 136. The second type or theme or category of the psalms is the psalms of disorientation. These are the songs of lament, of complaint, sorrow, anger, uh, anger at the injustice that we encounter uh, during our lifetime. Stephen Barclay goes on to explain these types of psalms as, These psalms are the reaction of the faithful to God, when the world they know is broken. These are psalms of lament that move and deepen the faith of the worshiper. When Jerusalem, the city of God, falls to Babylon, they don't sing Psalm 23. You respond with the virulence of Psalm 137. Whether the content is ethically pure or not, the words reflect the pain of a people engaging with their God in world-shattering circumstances. World-shattering circumstances. That phrase really catches my attention, especially during 
a time like this. A good example of a psalm of disorientation would be Psalm 13. The third type or category of psalms, according to Walter Brueggemann, are the psalms of reorientation, or you may see it written as psalms of new orientation. But for our, our time together today, we're calling it psalms of reorientation. These are the songs of surprise, songs of corrected thinking, of unexpected faithfulness, of divine insight, and ultimately of reawakening. Barclay says, these are deeper versions of the orientation psalms. Disorientation is now past, and the singer praises God for his salvation. Looking for a good example of a psalm of reorientation? Well, you can look at Psalm 107, which is actually what we're going to look at today. The with God life involves all three themes, all three experiences, and all three types of songs. The with God life involves psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of reorientation. We sing psalms of orientation often and well, but how often do we feel free to sing those song, psalms of disorientation to God? I mean, really, think about it. How free do you feel to complain to God? How free do you feel to cry out and express anger to God? I wonder if songs of complaint and lament, these psalms of disorientation, to God have been trained out of us here in the American church. I mean, really, think about it. Think about times you've been in church singing songs. How many times have we sung angry or sorrowful songs to God? I mean, really, have we, have we voiced our hurt and our dissatisfaction to God in songs? I can't think of very many. But get this, what if, what if a willingness to sing psalms of disorientation are necessary, necessary for God's people in order for us to, to genuinely weather the storms of life and to ultimately heal? What if singing psalms of disorientation are a prerequisite for us to ever honestly arrive at and honestly sing psalms of reorientation? If we're ever to have a new orientation in our understanding, in our relationship with God, what if we have to pass through the valley of the Psalms of Disorientation. Now Psalm 107, where we're going to be focusing today, it's a lengthy song. It, it identifies many of the ways that we as humans can find ourselves feeling far away from God. We as humans can find ourselves in the midst of very uncertain situations. Uh, we as humans can find ourselves in times marked by things like coronaviruses, <laughs> things when we don't know how things are going to turn out, uh, what next week is going to be like, or how long you're going to have to listen to me on a podcast instead of seeing me in person at church uh, for a worship gathering on Sunday mornings. Over the years, the people of God have found themselves in times of confusion, of rebellion, of foolishness, of fear, of wandering, and of great need. All of these circumstances, in all of these circumstances, the people cried out to God. And get this, remarkably, God listened, and God came to their rescue. Regardless of their confusion, their rebellion, their foolishness, if they were willing to turn back to God and cry out to Him, he listened, and he came to their rescue over and over again. And, and the active agent of the reorientation, of the rescue, of the healing and the deliverance that God sent, that we experience with God, it was his living and his active word. That's a, a phrase, that's an idea, a concept that's going to show up uh, several times during Psalm 107. 
but the active agent of the reorientation, rescue, healing, and deliverance that we experience. And it's always God's living and active word. So let's listen to Psalm 107 together. You can turn there in your Bible or pull it up on your phone. But follow along. I'll be reading in the New Living Translation. Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble, and He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for His great love, and for the wonderful things He has done for them. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. This is why He broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. For He broke down their prison gates of bronze, and He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He sent out His word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about His glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, His impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and He stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness, as He brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. Let them exalt Him publicly for the con- before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But He also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. He sows their field, or they sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How He blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression and trouble and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But He rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart, and they will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Now, some things you may notice in Psalm 107 is that it begins and it ends with a clarion call to recenter, to recalibrate, and to return to God. 
But then that whole big middle section of the song, there in the middle of it, it describes the people who have become entangled with sin, burdened by guilt and confusion, and subsequently exiled by their disobedience and foolishness. But here's what we must notice. Throughout the entirety of Psalm 107, we find a God who responds. We find a God who responds when His people cry out to Him, regardless of what they've done. They cry out to God and He responds. Not because they deserve it, because they don't, but because God is good and God is merciful. Let's take great comfort in that. Wow. So let's do a quick overview and a walkthrough of what we find in Psalm 107. Uh, you can write this down if you want, because I want to move pretty quickly. But verses 1 through 3, in Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3, it's a call to praise, a call to remember what God has done. It is recalling the time spent in exile and time spent in, in captivity. And then verses 4 through 9 uh, recalls Israel's exodus experience. It's time wa spent wandering in the wilderness, searching for a city, looking for a promised land, uh, desperate to find a place to call home. Then verses 10 through 16 recalls uh, bondage and slavery uh, that has come due to rejecting God's law. Verses 17 through 22 recalls the foolishness and poverty brought on by uh, the people's rebellion. Verses 23 through 32 recalls times of fear and of peril, uh, both at the hands of nature, but also at the hands of the deep when it talks about going out onto the seas. Verses uh, 33 through 38 it recalls famine and drought and how God came to the rescue and He restored the land. And then finally, verses 39 through 43, it recalls times of war and of exile and devastation and how God came and He lifted up the needy. In all these various situations, Israel cried out to God and God heard their cries and He acted to save them from their misery and distress. We see this pattern emerge all throughout Psalm 107. People are saying, hey, things were terrible for us. Things got so bad that we finally cried out to you, God, and you didn't turn a deaf ear to us. You actually heard us. You acted and you set us free. You saved us. Psalm 107 um, has long been familiar to the people of Israel. Hearing and reciting it, it would have recalled to mind many of Israel's shaping stories. When they heard Psalm 107, it would bring back to mind, it would cause them to remember all these great acts of God, all these times that God came and He delivered His people, these shaping stories. Guys, we all have shaping stories with God. And I'm glad for things like Psalm 107 that help remind us, remind us, we get into trouble, we call out to God, and He is good and kind and compassionate, and He comes and rescues us from our misery and our distress. Now, as we read 107, um, we are reminded, like I said, of, of these times of God that God has delivered us. But then, when we get um, to verses 23, and 32, to 23 to 32, and we think about Israel, we, we get this sense that maybe this part of the passage isn't necessarily historically rooted. Uh, this isn't necessarily maybe a, a, an actual shared experience that Israel uh, went through. I mean, when, they, when we talk about the Exodus or we talk about the time in the wilderness, we get that. We know Israel went through that because we can go back in the Bible and find that story. But this part about going to sea in ships, we wonder if this is uh, maybe not historically rooted. Uh, because most of the Israelites 
while they had seen storms, I mean, they lived right there on the Mediterranean Sea or the, near the Sea of Galilee, and they had seen storms blow across uh, these bodies of water, few in Israel had actually been sailors. Uh, some had been fishermen, but relatively few had ever been sailors. They were not a seagoing people. For most of Israel, most of the hearers of Psalm 107, the sea and the deep represented something. Uh, they were metaphorical. They represented chaos. They represented fear, the abyss, the deep, that which was out of control, and that which was ominous and menacing. Thus, there were definite spiritual connotations and overtones to the storms and then the, uh, the, the, the waves, all the dangers that came with the sea. These became spiritual metaphors. So then when God comes and stills the wind and the waves, there's meaning to that. So much so that I wonder, uh, in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus' disciples are, are, are terrified because of a storm, and Jesus is sleeping, and they wake him up and say, Hey, don't you care that we're about to die? We're about to drown? And Jesus steps up and he says, Where's your faith? And he turns to the storm and says, Peace be still. And he calms the wind and the waves. I wonder to what extent Jesus' disciples were recalling this exact passage in Psalm 107 where we read about God calming the storm to a whisper and stilling the waves. I remember Jesus' disciples were Israelites. They had grown up steeped in Torah, steeped in the Psalms. They knew Psalm 107. So when they see Jesus calm the storms through His Word, they recalled Psalm 107, where God's Word calms the storm. Now, moving on, this is where it gets interesting. The way that God intervenes and addresses our deepest needs is by sending forth His Word. If we look at verse chapter, or, uh, sorry, verse 20, it says in, in Psalm 107, it says, He sent, God sent out His Word and healed them and snatching them from the door of death. The hero, the, 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 the rescuer in this story is God's Word. When you think back through Israel's history from the Exodus to the law to the, the giving of the law to the time spent in exile, all the way up to the incarnation of Christ, God has always been delivering and healing His people, rescuing His people through the sending of His Word. Of His Word. Now notice this, the, the words of God's law that condemned the people in verses 10 and 11. Look at this, verses 10 and 11 of uh, Psalm 107. It says, Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. Now these words, the words of God's law that have condemned the people in verses 10 and 11, have become the word, with a capital W, the word that frees and heals them in verse 20. He has sent out His Word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. This same Word, in one circumstance, is condemning them and holding them captive, but then it's coming to free them and heal them later on in verse 20. At this pivot point, we find how God again has sent His Word out, and this time it's a living Word. It's personified, yet it's written centuries before the Incarnation. Before the Word made flesh, before the, the, uh, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. So we understand that God gave His Word in the law, but that wasn't sufficient. That only served to condemn the people. So in His new act, 
He sends His Word again, and this time it is the Word made flesh. It's Jesus Christ. So let's drill down on verse 20 a little bit here. Why would God's response to our rebellion be a personified Word? Why would it be a personified use of His Word? Well, as we saw in verses 10 and 11, rebellion against the words of God, it brings gloom and suffering. Yet, in verse 20, His Word comes and brings rescue and it brings healing. Somehow, some, in some way, the psalmist here is catching a glimpse. He is sharing a vision of something other than the words of God. Other than simply the law, when he foresees God's response to our deep distress and our affliction that is caused by our rebellion. Clearly, God here is not responding by giving more law as the remedy to our breaking of and rebellion against the law that He's already given. Do you understand what that means? He doesn't say, man, these people are really struggling to keep the law. These people are really struggling to obey the words I've given them. So here's what I'll do. I'll give them more words of law for them to obey. That would have been counterproductive. Clearly, we've demonstrated that we have a hard time keeping the words of His law. So why would He give us more laws in addition to the law He's already given? Indeed, this would be a situation like you noticing a drowning man and you think, man, he's working really hard trying to stay alive, stay, keep, to keep his head above the water. He must be thirsty. So in this situation, it's like offering a drowning man a glass of water. That's not what he needs. Clearly, more water would just be adding to the problem. So God is responding to our situation with something new, something alive, something that's actually life-giving and healing. He is responding with a living Word, the Word made flesh. Here we see in Psalm 107, God giving us a glimpse of what is to come in the promise of Messiah in Jesus. I'm reminded of uh, 1 John chapter 1. If you want to flip to the other end of your to the uh, end of your Bible, First uh, John chapter one and verses one through four, we hear the apostle John describing this word. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen, heard, and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Here John calls Jesus the word of life. That word which God sends to set us free and to bring us healing. So, with that understanding, where do we find Jesus in this psalm? We see the saving work of Jesus foreshadowed in how God is freeing His people from foolishness and rebellion by sending His word. He isn't just sending a, a, a plague or a punishment. He's going beyond that. He's sending His Word, and that Word sets us free. It brings deliverance and healing. We trace the gospel promise of Jesus in how God intends to heal His people and, how, and to bring them back home to a good and fruitful land. We see the loving kindness of Jesus in how God is calming the storm. He's answering our fear and our frailty, and He's bringing us peace in the midst of so much chaos. 
So in light of all this, what should our response to God be? You know, we're not that much different than Israel in our rebellion, in our hard-headedness, our unwillingness to do what God tells us to do. But let's see clearly today that just like Israel, when we recognize our depravity, our distance from God, our, our, our hard-heartedness and our unwillingness to follow and do what God has told us to do, may we do what Israel does or did and, and, and does even to, uh, all through this passage. Let's cry out to God. Let's cry out to God and then let's embrace God's answer. Let's welcome God's answer to us. The prescribed response to what God has done for us in His great mercy, it's summarized well in Psalm 107, verse 43. Psalm 107, verse 43. Those who are wise will take all this to heart, and they will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Those who are wise will take all this to heart, and they will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. So let's do that. Let's take all this to heart. May you apprehend the faithful love of the Lord that has been fully expressed to us in His living word, Jesus Christ. May you embrace the healing and rescuing word the psalmist and the apostle John spoke of so long ago. And then, may you take God's living word to heart in wisdom, in faith, and in worship. And then finally, may you know His goodness and experience His faithful love as He redeems you and gathers you to Himself through faith in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, may you know God's redeeming Word, and may you find your life, your freedom, your fellowship, and your joy made complete in Him. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful for Your Word. I'm thankful for the encouragement and the honesty we find there. God, the writer of the Psalms, of of Psalm 107, uh, just really lays it out in, in understandable ways. God, it describes the human condition and the human tendency to wander and to rebel. But God, you're so faithful. Over and over again, when we cry out, you hear us and you respond. And so, uh, it's not just Israel, it's all those who would follow after you. We thank you for sending your word, for setting us free. We thank you for Jesus, that you didn't give us just more law, more rules to follow, because God, we're not very good at that, as we've demonstrated. So there needed to be a new way, a new covenant, and you, did, you established that in Jesus, the Messiah. And so we thank you for that. Through his death, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, we've been set free, we've been healed, and now we've been brought back home to you. So God, I pray that you would work this truth deeply into our heart during this Lenten season, during this time of, of waiting, of preparation, this time in the wilderness, this time where we're uh, strangely living under the cloud of uncertainty, of threat, of this... Uh, this, this global pandemic, God, we, we've never been here before. We, we've not been in a situation like this. This feels like we're on the sea and it's blowing and there's wind and there's waves and we're afraid we might drown and be overcome. So God, I pray that we'd be like the psalmist and we'd be like the disciples and that we'd come to you and say, God, please save us. We're going to drown. God, may we find our strength and may our faith grow because we come to you. Lord, save us, we pray. Lord, be with us as we go through the next uh, week, 
the next month, these times of uncertainty. We don't know how this situation is going to unfold, but we're going to trust in you. We're going to anchor our faith deeply in you, trusting that you are able, you're sovereign over all creation, that a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, a millennia from now, you're, you're already there. You've seen the end of all things, and you know how it, how it works out, and you've got us uh, safely in your hand. So we're going to lean on you. And God, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand how your church can and should be at work during this difficult time. I believe that people's hearts are going to be turned back to you because uh, things are out of control. Our sense of mastery has really suffered uh, as this uh, coronavirus has really uh, started to show up in our community. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the answers are. And so, God, I, I trust that our hearts would be sensitized to our need for you. And that in that, there'd be a great uh, reawakening, that you would revive our hearts and that our family and friends that don't know you would, um, maybe for the first time in a long time or the first time ever, turn to you and place their faith in Jesus and find life and life abundantly. So God, help us be wise, help us to be brave, help us to stick together and help us to encourage and love each other well during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining uh, me this morning on our podcast. Um, Hopefully this has been uh, insightful and uh, been meaningful, maybe a blessing to you. I pray that these times spent in quarantine, uh, gathered around with uh, family or friends, I pray that this would be a time of deeper communion with Jesus um, and that we would uh, all have stories to tell. And I I look forward to hearing from you. Um, I'll try to reach out um, to you guys as as you come to mind as I'm spending time in prayer each morning. And um, yeah, let's just don't be a stranger as we go through the days and weeks ahead. So let's pray together as as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, I got a new Bible, so I'm going to turn to our our doxology real quick. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And now, friends, brothers and sisters, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.